Great. Good morning. Welcome to Yongsan Baptist Church English Sunday School class on March 6th. Is that the day? Yeah, March something. 6th. Wow, I got it right. My days are all running together. <laughs> In 2022, time is flying. Uh, so if you've been watching, you've been keeping up with us, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were in our Biblical Creation Study Unit 5, Week 3, and then Pastor had to take over last week. I was under the weather a little bit, but praise the Lord, I'm better and back. So I'll do a little bit of review of where we were in that intro, and then we'll basically try to get as far as we can in that lesson today, and it may end up being a three-part one-part lesson. <laughs> so again, we've been studying biblical creation since last May, and about the evidences God has given us in creation to understand and uh, believe, have confidence in, the Word of God and all that it says, specifically in Genesis 1-11, through and how that is a foundation for the rest of the Word of God. In this particular lesson, we started the units to look around, we looked back, we looked uh, we looked around, we looked down at geology, and now we we're looking in at the evidence from humans and the uh, pinnacle creation of God and for creationism itself. So far, we've discussed um, all of these different things, original creation of man and uh, some of the biblical distinctives of being human, and then the six, myriad, six of the myriad attributes that we share with our Creator that speak to our being made in the image of God. So today, as a review of where we started last time, um, looking at the evidence from us, I want to discuss what is probably um, the greatest or the most well-known question of the creation evolution debate, and that is, did humans evolve from ape-like creatures? So even though it is a bitter pill to swallow for many Christians who attempt to make peace with Darwin um, and the presumed ape ancestry of man, um, there is no evidence for humans evolving from an ape-like creature. Every, there are many Christians also who try to um, uncritically accept evolution as sort of God's way of creating. And they try to somehow evaluate uh, or sorry, elevate the origin of man, or at least man's soul, above the creation of other beasts, which doesn't make any sense if evolution is true. Evolutionists attempt to soften the blow by assuring us that man didn't exactly evolve from apes or tailless monkeys, which is what the word means, but rather from ape-like creatures. But it's mere semantics, because as many, as, um, as many of the presumed ape-like ancestors of man um, their titles, they have their scientific names, all contain the word Pithecus, which literally means in the Greek, ape. So the much-touted human ancestor, commonly known as Lucy, for example, has the scientific name Australopithecus afarensis, which means southern ape from the Afar Triangle of Ethiopia. But what does the Bible say about the origin of man, and what exactly is the scientific evidence that evolutionists claim for our supposed ape ancestry? Let's start with biblical assumptions. Oh, these are the Pythagoras names I was talking about in the, uh, in the history, so-called, of evolution. Uh, Pliopithecus, Proconsul, then Drifopithecus, and Oreopithecus. I mean, I, I like the Oreo one. I'd like to see, think that, that was, the Oreos were in my family history, too. Um, but as you go through all of this, the, it's, a, it's a lie to try to claim that it's not 
saying ache when the, the word itself contains it. But you will go a lot farther in your witnessing to uh, evolutionists if you can say that you understand their belief is, they're going to say their science, but it's their belief because they can't prove it. Their belief is that we evolved from an ape-like creature. We evolved and apes evolved from an ape-like creature that is no longer extant or no longer in existence. That goes a long way to, um, to garner that conversation, to actually have a cool-headed debate. But God tells us on the same day that he made all the animals that walk on the earth, he made, the, he made man. It was the pinnacle of his creation. Genesis 1, 26-28 talks about that. The verses make it very clear there is no animal that is man's equal, <clears throat> and certainly none that is his ancestor. So if you believe the Bible, you cannot believe there's something that comes before God. Thus, when God paraded the animals by Adam in Genesis chapter 2 for him to name them, he observed that for Adam there was not found in help meet for him. That's Genesis 2.20. Jesus confirmed the uniqueness of men and women when he declared that marriage is to be between a man and a woman. Because, quote, from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. That's Mark 10, 6. This leaves no room for pre-humans or for billions of years of cosmic evolution. Sorry, there you go. There's no room for pre-humans or billions of years of cosmic evolution prior to man's appearance on Earth. Adam chose the very name Eve for his wife because she was the mother of all living. Okay, another thing. The Apostle Paul stated clearly that man, yeah, no, no pre-humans or millions of years, and then man is not an animal. 1 Corinthians 15, 39, all flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. Those are different kinds, as the Bible refers to them in the book of Genesis. Those are our starting assumptions from a biblical perspective of believing the Bible. Then there are evolutionary starting assumptions. <clears throat> While Bible-believing Christians begin with the assumption that God's word is true and that man's ancestry goes back only to a fully human, fully formed, fully capable Adam and Eve, evolutionists begin with the assumption that man has, in fact, evolved from apes. No paleoanthropologists, if you don't know that term, that is, those who study the fossil evidence of man's origin. So it's paleontology and anthropology put together. No paleoanthropologist today would dare to seriously raise a question like, did man evolve from apes? The only permissible question in their circles is, from which apes did man evolve? Has to begin with the assumption, or it's not allowed. Since evolutionists generally do not believe that man evolved from an ape that is now living, they look to fossils of humans and apes to provide them with the desired evidence, specifically they look for an anatomical feature that looks intermediate between that of apes and man. Fossil apes, having such features, are declared then to be ancestral to man, or at least um, collateral relatives, as they refer to them, but thus they call them hominids. Living apes, on the other hand, are not considered to be hominids, but rather hominoids, because they are only similar to humans in some respects, but did not evolve into them. Nonetheless, evolutionists are willing to accept mere similarities between the fossilized bones of extinct apes and the bones of living men as proof of the so-called ape ancestry. But their assumptions are that man was not created, man and apes evolved from now extinct ape-like creatures, and the fossil record must include 
the intermediate species. Because if not, there's no basis for their belief. And that's one thing we've really brought up a lot through this study since last May. Creationism and evolutionism are both belief systems. Neither of them is in of themselves science. Because you cannot witness origin, you cannot reproduce origin. So because origin science, whether that is evolutionary biology or that is creation science, none, neither of them can reproduce what happened at the origin, they can only speculate, thus it has to be belief. So, our belief system is founded in the Word of God and in what we see around us. Their belief system is founded separate from the Word of God in the mind of man and then tries to interpret what they see around them with that assumption. So, is there evidence for human evolution? This is where we got to last time. Though many similarities may be cited between living apes and humans, the only historical evidence that could support the ape ancestry of man must come from the fossils. That was their last assumption. Unfortunately, the fossil record of man and apes is sparse at best. Approximately 95% of all known fossils um, are marine invertebrate fossils. All known fossils in the world, uncovered or, or left in the ground, right? Then about 4.7% of known fossils are algae and plant life. Um, about 0.2%, that's this little dot that you can't see at the end of that arrow, 0.2% are insects and other invertebrates, and then 0.1%, an even smaller dot, but they make it red so you can see it, is vertebrates. That means anything with a backbone, right? Then, of that 0.1% of all known fossils, a very, very small fraction, so many zeros I didn't want to bring it up, of those vertebrate fossils are actually of primates, which means um, humans, um, apes, and lemurs, I think is the other thing they consider as, oh, monkeys and lemurs, yeah. Humans, apes, monkeys, and lemurs are considered primates. So the most infinitesimal fraction of known fossils are of what they need to be able to make these. But because of that rarity of fossil hominids, even many of those who specialize in the evolution of man have never actually seen an original hominid fossil or touched it with their hands. Hands. Far fewer of them were able to study an actual one. So what happens is most scientific papers on human evolution are based entirely on casts of original specimens or published photos measurements and descriptions from someone else who claims to have seen the original. Access to those original fossil hominids, hey Grace, is strictly limited by those who discovered them, and it's often only confined to a few favored evolutionists who agree with their predisposed notions before they're allowed to look at it. Since there's much more prestige in finding an ancestor of man than there is of finding an ancestor of living apes, or worse yet, just a really extinct ape. There's an immense pressure on paleoanthropologists to declare almost any ape-like fossil to be hominid. So as a result of that, the living apes have pretty much no chance of ancestors being found of them because of that pressure. Many students in the schools are taught that human evolution, taught human evolution, even in social studies classes, not in science classes, by teachers that have little knowledge of human anatomy and even less knowledge of ape anatomy. But it's useless to consider the fossil evidence for the evolution of man from apes 
without first understanding the basic anatomical and functional differences between humans and ape skeletons. This is the fun part. Are those the same? Is this in the way? Okay. Are those the same? Simple question. Grace can tell me. Are those the same? No. They're not the same. Okay. So what we'll look at first is jaws and teeth. Uh, because of their relative hardness, teeth and jaw fragments are the most common and most frequently discovered primate fossils. In contrast to man, apes tend to have incisor and canine teeth that are relatively larger than their molars. Ape teeth usually have thin enamel, making them weaker. But the enamel, though, is the hardest uh, outer layer of the tooth. It's one of the hardest substances in the body. While humans generally have a thicker enamel, or outer layer, on their teeth. And then the jaws tend to be more U-shaped in an ape, but parabolic in man. So U-shape is a general shape, and then parabolic means tighter in the front, right? So then our jaw gets tighter in the front. There's just wider as a as a uh, consistent U versus parabolic. Got it? Okay. I don't know if anybody on the screen will be able to see that, but there it is. The problem in declaring a fossil ape to be a human ancestor and thus a hominid on the basis of certain human-like features of the teeth is that some living apes have the same features and they are not considered to be ancestors of man. Some species of modern baboons, for example, have relatively small canines and incisors and large molars. They also have um, thin enamel, but some apes, such as orangutans, have thicker enamel. Clearly, the teeth tell us more about animals' diet and their feeding habits than they do about their supposed evolution. So then there's artistic imagination that has crept in since the, I'd say since the late 1800s uh, to illustrate entire ape men from nothing more than a single tooth. In the early 1920s, the ape man, Hesperopithecus, again, Pithecus meaning ape, right? It consisted of a single tooth. You've probably read about this, if not in your textbook, and another book about textbooks. It was pictured in the London Illustrated, uh, London Illustrated News, complete with the tooth's wife, tools, contemporary animals, and an outdoor kitchen. So, illustration, but this is supposed to be science. All of this from a single tooth. That's a lot of imagination. Experts, so-called, used the single tooth, known as Nebraska Man, as proof for human evolution during the time of the Scopes trial in 1925. If you haven't heard of the Scopes Monkey Trial, as it's typically referred to, there was a movie called Inherit the Wind, uh, where they changed and uh, dramatized that particular um, trial that was based in Arkansas, right, and had some very famous uh, actors play it. And they made the, uh, the preacher look like a moron that had no basis for what he believed. And they made the atheist lawyer look like he was the calm, cool, and collected one who knew everything. And uh, he was only an atheist because he had been jaded by religion, because they had grown up together. So it's a very interesting story to look at the actual reality of the Scopes trial. But they used this as evidence for the evolution of man 
1927, parts of this skeleton that this tooth was near were discovered together with other teeth just like it. And Nebraska man, this is only two years after it was proof of in trial, only seven years after the tooth was originally found, that it was discovered that the Nebraska man is in fact an extinct peccary or a type of pig. So, if you've got, if you've seen a textbook since 1927, all the textbooks I've seen have been since 1927, that includes any any res, um, residual proof by Nebraska man or Hesperopithecus in that trail, it's an absolute lie, and it was proved to be a lie in 1927. Skulls, we already looked at the skulls, right, when we were looking at jaws and teeth. Again, not the same. One of these things is not like the others. I learned that when I was a kid. Skulls are perhaps the most interesting primate fossil because they house the brain and give us an opportunity with the help of imaginative artists to look our presumed ancestors in the face. As you already observed, the human skull is easily distinguished from all living apes. Though there are, of course, a few similarities. The vault of the human skull is large, and humans, because of their relatively large brain compared to apes, but the size of the normal adult human brain varies over nearly a threefold range. Okay? Jen's brain and my brain are different sizes. Because, okay, I'll just ask this question What size is your OCP cap? Seven and three eighths. Seven and three eighths. Mine is an eight. Do we have the same size brain? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that that is a variance within what we would nobody would say that one of us is not human or less human, right? I mean, not maybe me, but the the whole concept is there is a threefold variance in the size of a normal human brain. It's the same thing with apes. So the <laughs> yeah, I, I had a joke in there, but I'll leave it alone. Uh, these differences in the size of the human brain do not necessarily correlate with intelligence. You can have animals that have a large brain and still not be smart. Humans can have a large brain and still make dumb decisions. Adult apes have brains that are generally smaller than even the smallest adult human brain. And of course, they're not even remotely comparable in, in intelligence, though there is a push to try to make it seem that way. Uh, perhaps the best way to distinguish an ape skull from a human skull is to see it from a side view, like I have in the pictures here. Um, from this perspective, the face of the human is nearly vertical, right? Our faces are nearly vertical. And you'll see, you'll meet some people that maybe have a protruding lower jaw a little bit, protruding upper jaw a little bit, right? But that's, again, variance within the species. But generally, from the crown to the chin, this about is, is generally vertical. It's never vertical with an ape. Um, if you see here, from the crown to the chin, right? There's, it's, it's just obvious. The, the bony socket of the eye of the ape is obscured with its broad, flat face plate. Right? The, wrong paragraph. That, right, you're right, get back on track. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm getting there. <laughs> she says, pick it up, I'm done. Humans have a more curved upper face and forehead and clearly reveal the orbit of the eye from the side view. Another distinctive measure, feature of the human skull is our nose bone that our glasses rest on. 
at the top of the nose, right? There's cartilage out here, but it's bone here, where the glasses rest. You will never see that on an ape. Now, they, there are some who would say that, um, that it would make it harder for them to wear glasses, but it doesn't mean they don't try. <laughs> the, the whole concept of that protruding nasal bone is a big difference, and it's a difficulty to try to say that one is the other or one came from the other one. There's no evidence of it in the apes, and there's evidence of it in humans. So there would be, have to be, between those two photos we saw, there'd have to be far too much intermediate evolution to, make, to say that those are the same creature. Another big feature that is different is leg bones. I don't know if you've watched a, an ape walk versus watching a human walk. If you've watched an ape run versus watching a human run. The most eagerly sought after evidence in fossil hominids is an anatomical feature that might suggest bipedality. Bipedality is the ability to walk upright on two legs. Since humans walk on two legs all the time, any evidence of bipedality in fossil apes is considered an evolutionist, uh, considered by evolutionists to be compelling evidence for human ancestry. But we should bear in mind that the way an ape walks on two legs is entirely different than the way a man walks on two legs. The distinctive human gait requires a complex integration of many skeletal and muscular features in our hips, legs, and feet. Thus, evolutionists closely examine the hip bones, or the pelvis, the thigh bones, or the femur, and the leg bones, that's the tibia and the fibula, and then also the foot bones of fossil apes in an effort to detect an anatomical feature that might suggest bipedality. Now, I mean, bipedality means primarily bipedality. Not that it can walk upright, but that it does walk upright. Okay? Evolutionists are particularly interested in the angle at which the femur and the tibia meet at the knee. This is called the carrying angle. So if you see gorilla legs, their carrying angle is basically 90 degrees, whereas with a human, our legs have a bow from here to here, right? The angle is different. So that thigh bone goes outward, whereas theirs goes straight up and down as it connects to the hips. So humans are able to keep their weight over their feet while walking because their femurs converge toward the knees, forming a carrying angle of approximately 9 degrees with the tibia. So we're sort of not me, generally, right? Not excessively, we can identify that, but a general normal human standing up straight, they're, uh, they would be sort of not me. In contrast, chimps and gorillas have widely separated straight upper legs with a carrying angle of essentially zero degrees. They manage to keep their weight over their feet when walking by swinging their body from side to side. That's that, that's that gorilla gait that you see when they're up on two legs, right? The ape walk, if you will. Evolutionists assume that fossil apes with a high carrying angle or human-like angle uh, were bipedal and thus evolved into man. Certain australopithecines, that's ape-like creatures in, in science-y talk, are considered to have walked like us and thus to be our ancestors, largely because they have a high carrying angle. But high carrying angles do not, are not confined to humans. They're also found on some modern apes that walk gracefully on tree limbs and clumsily on the ground. So living apes with a high carrying angle, which is a value comparable to man, include the orangutan and the spider monkey, which are both very adept tree climbers and not adept bipedal walkers on the ground. Um, but that, that gait is only for the trees. The point is that there are living tree-dwelling apes and monkeys with some of the same anatomical features evolutionists try to consider to be definitive evidence for bipedality. Yet, 
none of those animals walk like a man, and no one suggests that they are ancestors or descendants of man. Foot bones, working our way down the body. Jaws and skulls and feet. Are those the same? Okay, just so we all are on the same page. The human foot is unique and not even close to the appearance or the function of the ape foot. The big toe of the human foot is in line with the foot directly and does not jut out to the side like an ape's. <clears throat> human toe bones are relatively straight rather than curved for grasping like an ape's. While walking, the heel of the human foot hits the ground first, then the pressure and the weight distribution spread along the outer margin and then across to the ball of the foot and out the toe. It is only humans that walk that way. The um, uh, forensics can identify human footprints from other animal footprints in the, in the compression of the, uh, fossilized uh, limestone layers because of the, sequ the sequence of the pressure and how it goes from here to here to here and then off the toe as the heel raises. But that's not the way that the foot works when walking on the ground for an ape. It is generally straight. Again, uh, no ape has a foot or a push-off like that of a human, and thus no ape is capable of walking with a distinctive human stride or making a human footprint. It's impossible for that foot to make that print. Right? Right. Hip bones. Next one. Try to get through this. Hip bones are entirely different. The pelvis plays a critical, I don't know if that's even visible with white on white on white. I should do a better job. The hip pelvis or hip bone plays a critically important role in walking. The characteristic human gait requires a pelvis that is distinctively different from that of apes. Indeed, one has to only examine the pelvis to determine if an ape has the ability to walk like a man. The part of the hip bones that we can feel just under our belt is called the iliac blade. Viewed from above, these blades are curved forward on a human. These blades are curved forward um, like, the, like the handles on a scooter. Um, the iliac blades of an ape, in contrast, project straight out to the side, like the hand, like, I'm sorry, ours are like, like the yoke of an airplane, whereas theirs go out like handlebars on a scooter. It's simply not possible to walk like a human with an ape-like pelvis. These two are not the same. Where the bones connect at the angles they do or how these iliac blades work. Um, these this evidence of the pelvis makes it possible to distinguish apes from humans and avoid the confusion of the gait, unless you make some kind of changes to it. And that's what we're going to get to next. There are only three ways to make an ape man. Knowing from scripture that God did not create ape men, because he would have told us, there are only three ways for the evolutionists to create one. The first way is to combine ape fossil bones with human fossil bones and declare the two to be one individual or a real ape man. Partial human, partial ape, I made it into one. Right? The second way is to emphasize certain human-like qualities of fossilized ape bones and with your imagination, upgrade the ape to be more human-like. Put him in a suit. The third way is to emphasize certain ape-like qualities of a man 
of a fossilized human bones, and then with your imagination, downgrade the human to be more ape-like. We'll put him in a gorilla suit. Okay, so this is the simplistic way of looking at it. There are only three ways to make an ape-man, because God didn't do it, and it doesn't exist. So we'll see how combining man leads us to Piltdown Man in 1912, Charles Dawson, who was a medical doctor and amateur paleontologist, discovered a lower jawbone. We went from a tooth in 1920 to a lower jawbone. Technically, this is earlier. So the lower jawbone, Piltdown Man, came before Nebraska Man, who was only a single tooth. The lies got worse. He found part of a skull in a gravel pit and part of a lower jawbone somewhere else, and he decided that he was going to put this all together and create um, Piltdown Man. The brown parts are all that he found. The white parts he filled in. Okay? And he came up with this ape-like creature of descendant of man. Right? Let's skip through a few things. He calculated this to be uh, 500,000 years old. Um, went through all this stuff. But it turned out to be a hoax because the skull was the skull fragment was indeed human, but the jawbone was from a modern female orangutan whose teeth had been filed to crudely resemble human teeth, including the canine teeth that were filed so far down there was they could see the pulp chamber inside the tooth. Okay? And what he was doing that for was because his, his paleontology uh, grant was running out. And so he needed to find some evidence to get his grant renewed, and so he made it up. But it's still in a lot of textbooks. Um, human evolutionist Sir Solly Zuckerman said that it is doubtful there is any science at all in the search for man's fossil ancestry. And he was, a, he was a, an evolutionist. Then there is making man out of apes. Making men out of apes. Many ape men were merely apes, which evolutionists had attempted to upscale to fill in the gaps between ape and men. The best widely known is what I said, Australopithecines aparensis, that's Lucy. Um, there is a lifelike mannequin of Lucy in <clears throat> the Living World exhibit at the St. Louis Zoo. That's what you see on the left there. And um, <laughs> they took this, a human female body, right? It's a, it looks like a hairy human female body um, with human hands and human feet and an obviously ape-like head, and this three-foot-tall Lucy stands erect in a deeply pensive pose, right, with her fingers underneath her jaw staring off in the space contemplating her future. Few visitors are aware that this is a gross misrepresentation of what is known about the fossil ape. So these human feet with hair on them, human hands, right, and generally a human body is absolutely false. Um, <clears throat> the... These apes are known to be long-armed knuckle walkers with locking wrists. Both the hands and the feet of this creature are clearly ape-like, and paleoanthropologists Jack Stern and Randall Sussman have reported that the hands of this species are, quote, similarly, are surprisingly similar to the hands found in the small end of the pygmy chimpanzee common chimpanzee range. They're reporting that the feet, like the hands, are long, curved, heavily muscled much like those of the living tree-dwelling primates today. The authors conclude that no living primate has such hands and feet for any purpose other than to meet the demands of full or part-time arboreal, that is, tree-dwelling life. 
So this is an and complete gross misrepresentation to deliberately mislead people to think that this chimpanzee skeleton that they have found is actually a prehuman. It is a chimpanzee. Okay. Then you can make apes out of men. Um, in an effort to fill the gap between apes and men, certain fossils have been declared to be ape-like. Um, to make a monkey out of man, right? Some of those are Homo erectus, Homo heidelbergensis, heidelbergensis, I missed a syllable, and Homo neanderthalensis. You've heard of the Neanderthal man, right? You have, maybe not have heard, you probably haven't heard of uh, Heidelberg man, um, but then Homo erectus is before that too. So the best known fossils are of Cro-Magnon man, which there are marvelous paintings found all over the world, um, in caves that are attributed to Cro-Magnon man. And then there's Neanderthal man, um, which came out of Germany. Both of these are clearly human, have been long classified as homo sapiens, but only in recent years are they trying to make them into pre-humans. <clears throat> so they've downgraded them to a different species, homo neanderthalensis, uh, trying to make a, another uh, intermediate species. The story of the Neanderthal man um, is long and, and storied and, and pretty interesting. Um, but this is, this is what we're looking at here with uh, Cro-Magnon man and uh, Neanderthal man. And I 